Hello and welcome to the CU20 podcast. We are a ministry of People's Church of Montreal. And we are a group of young Christians living in Montreal discussing issues of faith and how to be like Jesus in this modern world. Please enjoy the sermon today as we look at how Jesus speaks to those who are anxious hearted. What well, I think you probably discovered as you were chatting to each other, maybe if you've never thought about it before, but when you begin to think about it, so much of our lives is almost purely a product of our relationships. We, when you look back, who you are is almost entirely built out of the people that you've had around you from the earliest ages upwards. Uh, obviously, parents have a huge influence, childhood friends, uh, siblings, uh, mentors in your life. Incredibly, an incredible diverse cast of people have gone into making you you. And when you think about, even when you break it down to think about you know, your ambitions, uh, your attitude towards yourself and others, the habits that you've developed, your personalities, your fears, your uh, strength and uh, ability to overcome certain uh, different kinds of obstacles, all of this is a result of the different influences you've had in your life, the different models that you've been given in your life that have come from the relationships that you've had. And this is true at a, at like a fundamental level of who you are, but it's also true in terms of the day-to-day way that we function. If I was to ask you, ask you to describe yourself, you, if you're like most people in the world, probably find that who you are is dependent upon the people that you're around. You're a certain kind of person around your parents. You're a kind of a different person around certain friends and kind of a different kind of person around other friends and maybe slightly different around church or slightly different around your partner or, or whatever it is. Like, there isn't just one you. There's a you that has different facets and those facets are either diminished or emphasized depending on the people that you're around. You probably all can think of the friend who kind of brought out the, the worst in you, like the one that when you were around them, you always got into trouble with them. Uh, and then if you, if you chose the, the, this person to study with, it would be the worst idea in the world. Like you'll get no studying done whatsoever because they would just be a terrible influence and you would just destroy each other's motivation. And on the other side, you have friends who probably bring out the best of you, who bring out your courageous side, who bring out your compassionate side, uh, who bring out your, your more disciplined side. And so we can see that the relationships we have in our lives are a tremendous, tremendous influence in who we are and the life that we live. And now you might be wondering, why is it that I'm talking about relationships when this is a, this is a sermon about stress and anxiety and, and fear and, and worry? Where am I going with this? And if you don't see those two things as connected and, and how your relationships play a fundamental, hugely impactful role in the way that you handle stress in your life, then you're not on the same page as Jesus. Because Jesus points to relationship and a specific relationship, the relationship with God, as being the fundamental aspect on how we deal with stress, how we deal with anxiety. When, if you were to ask Jesus, you know, what do relationships have to do with stress? He would say, well, everything. They have, it has everything to do with stress and worry and anxiety and how we handle these things. And we find it in different parts uh, throughout Scripture, but the one that we're going to look at to do today is Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is a, it's a beautiful chapter that it was really hard for me to just pick out one bit of it, uh, but it was way too big and rich for me to cover too much in one sermon. So sadly, because of the pace of the way that we need to keep 
uh, up with the sermons in this series and not to drag it out too long. I can only pick this passage out of Luke chapter 12, but I highly recommend you read the whole of Luke chapter 12 uh, this week because it, this passage is connected to other bits of it. It's, 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 it's a really rich passage, and so you're going to learn a lot if you study that nicely this week. But we're going to start in verse 22, Luke chapter 12, 22, and we're going to read down to verse 34. So we're going to read that together, and then we're going to pray. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storerooms or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it. For the, pagans, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray together. God, we, we come to you today and uh, we confess, God, that worry, anxiety, stress, it's, it's a huge part of our lives. It's a huge struggle for almost all of us. And when we read these words, God, we, we see that you're pointing us to another way. And Lord, help us to just not just cognitively understand this, but experientially feel this and, and be changed by these truths. Help us, Lord, to, to really put into practice these things, difficult as they may be at times, to overcome. We know that you're there. We know that this is the truth. And Lord, we, we, we call upon you to help us today to understand and to apply. We thank you for the great love that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's these interesting threads that run throughout all of Jesus' teachings. Uh, if you were to kind of, you know, you, you hold on to these threads and you go through the Gospels, you'll see that practically everything he has, ha says is, has these ideas in the background. He, he speaks a lot about the kingdom and what the kingdom means and how it's going to affect your life. And the two factors are fairly simple. But the first one is that there's a lot more to life than what you see in front of you. There's a lot more to who you are and what, uh, and what you should be chasing than you realize. He's constantly pointing to the world beyond this world, to the kingdom that is coming, to the true reality that lies just behind the veil of what we can see and touch. 
He's pointing us to eternity. He's pointing us to God's will in the midst of all our messed up uh, life and the way that we chase after different things. He's constantly pointing us to the fact that there's greater, there's more beyond it. And the second thread that runs throughout it all is that this world and our life is saturated by the presence of a good and competent God. And because that's the case, this world is a safe place to be. And that's such a counterintuitive, ridiculous thing to think about, to, to, to actually make the claim that this world is, is perfectly safe, is, is so, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to think that. And yet, this is what Jesus Christ will teach on many, many occasions. He will have this thread running through his, through his teaching of, don't worry, don't worry. You know, don't have to fear. Go out in the world. I'm sending you out like, you know, like sheep, like sheep among the wolves. And just don't worry. Just go. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Just go. The, the, he's pointing us to all, again and again, to the fact this world is fairly safe. And because it's safe because there is this good and competent God that is in control. He's here. He is never far away. He is always in control. And because of that, you're going to be okay. And all of this teaching is resting upon these assumptions. And until we see that and, and are gripped by that and are moved and shaped by that, we're not really going to be able to live the way He's calling us to live. And the gospel is not going to be able to grip our heart the way it's meant to. We're constantly going to be giving into fear. And unless this seizes us, we're constantly going to be concerned with this very myopic vision about what's next, what's next, what's next, and never looking beyond it. And yet, we see in this passage that these truths are playing out there as well. That these are the truths that he's connecting uh, his advice to us on, on worrying. He's connecting it to these truths as well. And he's using that as the basic argument to say two things. Number one, stress is pointless. Like it's worrying about things is utterly useless. And the second thing he's telling us is that not only is it use, useless, but it's also disruptive to kingdom living. If you want to live the type of kingdom life you're called to live, stress is just going to get in the way. Worry and anxiety is going to get in the way of that. And so we're going to dive into this and unpack it together today. And so the first thing I want to do is, is un unpack that idea of, of stress and worry and, and anxiety. And it's a fascinating word because the word is actually linked to the idea of being choked or strangled. And I think if you struggle with anxiety, you know exactly why though that link can be made. Because it does feel sometimes that you're being oppressed, that you're being choked, that you're struggling to breathe. It's, it fills you, you know, with stress. I, mean, I, I don't know why I'm defining stress to you. You know what stress is. But it's just being consumed by the fear or this dread or panic in the moment. Feelings of being overwhelmed, being unable to, to cope with what's being asked of you or to manage the responsibilities that you've been given. It's the fear of failure, uh, the fear of uncertainty over the future. It's these big questions that plague us. What if I fail? What if it all falls apart? What if what I think is going to happen isn't going to happen? And we create all of these hypotheticals in our head and we become convinced that even though we have no proof about what's going to happen next, that the worst case scenario is what's going to happen next. And so we begin to just panic about it. 
These are experiences that I'm sure you know intimately. You know what it feels like to be consumed by fear, by, by anxiety. And what Jesus is not against here is having a difficult job, having a job that you have to work hard, uh, you know, overcoming obstacles, giving it your best, you're laboring and sweating over something, you're really, really uh, toiling over something. Jesus is not against that at all. In fact, to do so is stated in lots of different places in Scripture, to work hard and to be good stewards of the opportunities that He's given us, to, you know, for you guys, most of whom are students, to study hard. I mean, you've been given a gift that you get to further your education to this uh, high level. Man, if you don't work hard at this, you're wasting the opportunity that you've been given to give it your all and you're not honoring God in it. He's not against hard work. He's not saying, just chill out, man. Take it easy. It's not at all what he's saying. The, when he points to the birds or he points to the flowers, he's not saying, look at these guys, they don't do anything. <laughs> he's saying they don't worry about anything. He's saying they, you know, they do their work, but they don't seem to, to freak out the way that we freak out. They don't freak out about the future. They don't freak out about uncertainty. They just do what God has put them in this world to do. I mean, not to labor the point too much, but birds work hard, right? Like, <laughs> flowers work hard, I'm sure, in their own way. But they, God cares for their needs. And, and you can see it. You can see it in the way nature works. God cares for their needs. He gives them what they need. And his point is simple. God cares for their needs because he cares for them. He loves them. How much more does he love you? Why are you freaking out about the future? Why are you freaking out about what tomorrow brings? God cares about you far more. You are far more valuable than they are. So what's Jesus pointing us to here? What's his, what's his core uh, emphasis in helping us to get through anxiety? It's relationships. It's having this relationship with a loving God. And I love that Jesus Christ goes so much further than what, where we are often uh, call each other to go when it comes to dealing with stress. Because what do we often say? I just don't worry about it. But we give no advice as to why we shouldn't worry about it. Why should we not freak out about the future? Why should we not freak out about the uncertainty? For us, we don't have good answers, but Jesus has a great answer. Because God loves you. Because He loves you. And He's in control. And that is, that is a fundamental thing that changes everything. You know, we know that stress and worry and anxiety, they, they, we know that they're pointless. We know that they don't solve anything and they actually make things worse. We know that we actually scientifically can prove now that worry will kill you in a sense. It'll shorten your lifespan. If you are a nervous person that, you know, freaks out about things a lot, yeah, you can actually worry yourself sick. You can give yourself stomach ulcers or you can give yourself, you know, different kinds of, you know, all kinds of doctors could tell me afterwards. But there's tons of different things that you can give yourself just by stress. That's the power of your brain. Just because you're freaking out about something, it can have all of these different actual physiological effects upon your body. We know this. And yet it doesn't help us. We, we can't stop worrying. We freak out about all kinds of things. Knowing that it's bad in and of itself doesn't stop us from doing it. And so in this situation in which we, we may be aware of the problem, but we're not aware of how to deal with it, Jesus Christ comes in and 
to me, his teaching is this incredible breath of, of fresh air. You know, when you, I don't know, you're struggling for breath in one way or another, maybe you're in a claustrophobic environment, and you get out and you get, you know, you get to that, that first cold breath as it fills your lungs and invigorates you and wakes you up again. That's what I feel, feel when, I, when I read these words of Jesus. And when I, was, when I was preparing the sermon today, I honestly felt uh, very, very inadequate compared to what Jesus was doing, which is a good thing. But the fact that he, you know, what Jesus said here is just so perfect. All I wanted to do was just come up and read it and be like, just think about it. And just walk <laughs> away. Just like, that's it, guys. Like, he said it all. It's perfect as it is. Jesus goes further than just telling us stress is bad. He gives us reasons to focus our attention on other things. The first thing he tells us is God is loving. God is competent. He will take care of your needs. He's going to guide your life. Therefore, you can trust God for what the future holds. When you look to the future, things, yeah, won't, won't always turn out the way you want them to turn out. But they will turn out in a way that God is always going to give you what you need. God is always going to be there for you, for your, for your actual needs. He will be there. And so we're reminded of this great core truth of the, the love of God that underpins reality, of true reality. That's where it is, that we are held together by the hands of God. And He is right there. He is the one, you know, bringing the, the flowers into, into existence. He is the one that's bringing seeds out for, for birds to eat. He is so intimately involved in creation. He's right there. He's good. He's competent. And He loves you. And then instead of fretting over uh, clothes and food, and, and we're actually given an entirely new perspective to think about. And this is a blessing. We, we, are, we are given something to shift our attention towards, kingdom righteousness. He's telling us, don't worry about these things. Instead, focus on this. Focus on the kingdom. I love 32. Uh, it says, do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Jesus is telling us to go in the opposite direction. Whilst everyone else is freaking out about making sure they have enough and setting the goals and reaching the goals, just go in the opposite direction. Take what you have, give it away. Give away stuff, sell things, give to the poor. Why? Because by doing so, you're focusing your attention on what is really valuable. You're focusing on your attention on what's truly important. You're giving yourself over to the, to the kingdom as it unfolds into this world. And there is where treasure lies. There is where true treasure lies. Not in building up stuff around you. You know, this is a blessing. This is a privilege. Jesus calls out the fact that there are people in this world that that's, that's it. That's reality. All they have is the time that they've been given now. And all they have is, is clothes and food and, you know, material success. That's it. That is all that life sums up to. And so, okay, if that's all you have, then of course your attention must be upon those things. You have to focus on that. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a far better alternative. I'm telling you, focus on the kingdom. This is a far, far better alternative. You, by doing so, you're going to be able to, to experience reality in a totally different way. 
You're going to be able to rise above the petty concerns that dominate so many people's thoughts and be able to, to have a, a renewed perspective on life, to be able to see reality for what it truly is. He's calling us to see beyond the veil to what's really going on in this world. And that is a great blessing. Because if all you have is this world, then it makes sense to be worried about it. It makes sense to freak out about these things. You know, if... Uh, it's so interesting that even though in this life today, we are by far the most blessed, rich, affluent generation that has ever lived, but it hasn't helped us. We're still freaked out about things. We still worry about so many things and are anxious about so much stuff. If we're, and this is, seems to be the case. If you're rich, then your attention is consumed by what? By guarding it, by increasing it, by managing it. Uh, I don't, all right, who's the, who's the artist who says more money, more problems? I feel like that's someone that... Biggie? Thank you. The much more street savvy people than I. Thank you very much. Yeah, but isn't that true? What a poet. More money, more problems. <laughs> that's true though. We, the more you have, the more you freak out about things. And if you're, and if you're poor, if you have nothing, everything's about survival. Everything's, I mean, your life is on the edge. One catastrophe is, you know, is it? Like that, it can all fall apart. If one thing goes wrong, everything can fall apart. It's all about that panic mode that's keeping you going. There's uncertainty in both. There's, there's fear in both. There's anxiety in both. Uh, N.T. Wright uh, says this, the modern West, the modern Western world is built on anxiety. You see it in the faces of people hurrying to work. You see it even more as they travel home, tired, but without solving any of life's problems. Their faces wearied, puzzled, living with the unanswerable question as to what it all means. This world thrives on people setting higher and higher goals for themselves. And each, uh, and each one, sorry, setting higher and higher goals for themselves and each one so that they can worry all day and all year about whether they will reach them. And if they do, they will set new ones. And if they don't, they will feel like they failed. Was this really how we were supposed to live? We are given a different perspective. We're not unique. You know, Jesus is speaking to people 2,000 years ago. We're freaking out about stuff. We're freaking out about stuff today. We're afforded a kingdom perspective. We work to gain things that have true and lasting value. We can afford to be more liberal with our expenses, with our, with our time, uh, with our goals. We set goals that are different. We can be more at peace when we fail because we know that this doesn't ultimately determine our reality. We can, we can not, we don't have to care about how affluent we are, how successful we are in this world because it doesn't give us anything of lasting worth. The more you think about it, the more you see, you know, the point of what Jesus was saying here wasn't just so that we could realize the pointlessness of, of, of worry you know, given how things really are, he's not just telling us worrying is bad, he's telling us worrying is bad because of these reasons, these very good reasons not to worry. That's not it though. He's going further than that saying, worrying is disruptive to kingdom living. You, when you give in to worry, you're being robbed of the opportunities that you will have to live in light of what is really real, which is the inbreaking of the kingdom. Worrying distorts our view and robs us of 
the kingdom perspective we're supposed to have. It dominates our thoughts. It drives. The fear is what drives our actions. It blinds us. It, it shows, it, it robs us of faith. It, it, uh, it, it confuses us. It darkens our reality. It does all of these things which keep us from seeing what is real in this world and what is really important. You know, it's, it's by Jesus addressing these attitudes of our mind, and attitudes of our heart, that we become free and gain a right perspective on who God is and how He provides from us. When we, when we have this right perspective, we are able to give our security over to Him. When we see who God is, when we see how this world functions, we are able to give our security to Him. And the promise is not that life will go well, or that life will be without challenge, or that everything is going to go the way that you expect it to go. The promise is that you will have from God all that you need. All that you need in this world. To get through each season, it will come to you, and as it comes, you're sure that it's going to come, and therefore you trust. Therefore, each day, you will be able to meet each day with the resources that God has for you. There's a great quote uh, by Max Licato, and he... Um, he talks about uh, this idea of God giving you uh, each day's strength. And it's, it's the whole passage that he's, he's the whole like, paragraph here is about not worrying about things. But uh, he, he's, he's addressing it towards mothers. And I love the fact that it's addressed towards moms because, man, moms freak out <laughs> about so many things. My mom, like for the most of my childhood, was just just held together by stress, I'm sure. <laughs> like, if she didn't stress, she would just like, <laughs> like collapse into nothing. And I'm sure my, my mom is not unique in that. But he's addressing it towards this and, and he says this, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And now he's like quoting a mother. He's saying, I don't know what to do if my husband would die. You will when the time comes. If my children leave the house, I don't think I can take it. It won't be easy, but strength will arrive when the, when the time comes. The key is this. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. That is the way that God has designed the relationship that He has with us to function. We trust Him for our daily bread. We trust Him for helping us to perceive and overcome the struggles each day. If we begin to fret about tomorrow, as Jesus says, tomorrow has problems of its own. Focus on what's happening with you today. And as you wake up in the morning, and as you begin to go through your day, the relationship you have with God will really, really change the way you experience life change the way you experience all of reality. John Ortberg says this, when we wake up in the morning, what happens if we live with a small God? You know, a God who's not really able to do much in this world, able to control much. He says this, we live in a constant state of fear and anxiety because everything depends on us. Our mood will be governed by our circumstances. We will live in a universe that leaves us deeply vulnerable. That is what will happen if you live a life in which God is small, God is feeble, God is unable to help, not real. But if you live in the type of reality that Jesus is calling you to live, saying, 
Consider what's, what's really going on in this world. Consider a true eternal perspective and you're going to see how futile worrying is. Anyone ever read much of uh, Douglas Adams, uh, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that stuff? So Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a, a five-book trilogy. And he, uh, the, 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 the first book is about this book called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And the idea of it is it's supposed to be this compendium that's full of knowledge about every known thing there is in the universe. So that if you're traveling around, you're going to know, you know, you're going to be able to read up on whatever you're encountering next. And, you know, it's all the name, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, but right on the front of this book is two words in really big letters. And the words are, don't panic. Don't panic. And that, you know, the reason it's chosen is because that's the best advice that they could think of to put on the front. Don't panic. And I think that's exactly in line with Jesus Christ's teaching here. Consider the world, consider the universe, think everything that there is out there and all blah, blah, blah. blah. What's, the, what's the best advice you can give when you consider everything that there is? Don't panic. God is in control. He is good. He is competent. Don't panic. And not only are we given this advice to keep us from panicking, keep us from worrying, but we are given something to divert that energy towards. Because, you know, sometimes it's hard to overcome our anxious thoughts, to overcome that fear in the moment. It's not enough to say, okay, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. You have to kind of direct it towards something. And praise God, we are even given advice to that end as well. One of the best passages so rich in advice is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The answer we have in Scripture to how to deal with anxious thoughts when they come is to bring them out as a rich, fertile prayer life to begin to pray in beautiful ways to God over these things, to, to give prayers of thanksgiving over to God, of requests, of, of longings over to God, to pray them up to Him. We, we, we pray, but we pray full of expectancy because God is here and He is in control, full of faith that He is going to come through and He is going to give us what we need and full of thankfulness, full of humility, and gratitude for all that we already have. My advice to you when you pray, for every one minute you spend asking God for something, spend two minutes thanking Him for who He is, for what He has given you. To use that as a guide, because for me at least, when I, when I go into prayer and there's something weighing on my heart, the first thing I try to do is to pray thankful things to God. And honestly, by the time I get to praying for those things, my heart is lighter already. I have a renewed perspective already. M. R. Vincent, a theologian, says this, Peace is the fruit of a believing prayer. Peace is the fruit of a believing prayer. When you pray and you believe God is there, He is listening to you. He, is, he has heard your case. He understands. He knows. And He is moving to act. The, the fruit of that is peace. Maybe not total peace, but more peace, I'm sure. You're a little more, more at peace with your situation. Okay, God is there. And prayer is the way that we experience the fruit of our salvation. 
You know, if you're a Christian without prayer, there's a good reason why your, your whole Christian experience is probably pretty dry and flavorless. It's because by prayer, the promises of God become real. By prayer, the experience of God's love, of God's peace, of God's power become in the moment to us. We experience His love in that moment as we give over to Him in prayer. We experience His, His peace coming upon us, His strength filling us. Prayer brings these things into reality. And so when we are tempted to panic, when we begin to give in to these things, this is why we're called to prayer. Because as it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God, the, the words there where it says, will guard your hearts, the, the, the Greek is, will stand sentinel over your hearts. It, it's given this like sense of, um, these like, like a warrior standing, ready to defend a position. That is how the, you know, the peace of God is going to act in your life and guarding your hearts, guarding your minds in Christ Jesus. This is, man, I want to wrap up. I'm, I'm going to get way too long if I keep going. So <laughs> there's a, I, I, by the way, I, I know a lot of what I'm saying tonight. I've probably said in other sermons, you know, it, just bear with me. There's a, there's a, the former, what is he now? The former president of the American Psychological Association. His name's Gordon Allport. I, I love this quote. I use it all the time. But he went out in a book, uh, uh, a, a very academic book, and he said this, the giving, sacrificial, unconditional, Christ-like love described in 1 Corinthians 13 is incomparably the greatest psychotherapeutic agent, something that professional psychiatry cannot of itself create, focus, or release. He's saying, what? The love of God. The love of God is more powerful than any psychotherapeutic agent that we know of and something that we cannot reproduce and cannot focus. And look at what Jesus' advice is. When we, instead of worrying, what are we to do? The remedy to stress, anxiety, worry is what? Reflect upon the, the loving nature of God. Find that, find that so real to you that everything else loosens and comes out as, as a re result. He is pointing us to this most powerful, greatest psychotherapeutic agent there is. This love, able to transform us from the inside out, able to radically change our minds and our hearts, to give us this peace that we long for. Nothing is more able to help you, to heal you, to strengthen or change you than the love of God. And I, I was blessed this, uh, today to, uh, to watch this little YouTube video uh, by John Piper. It's called Nine Promises for Every Anxiety. And he goes through in great detail. It's only 15 minutes long, but it's really rich. Uh, nine different reasons we could be anxious and how the Bible specifically addresses them all with promises. Uh, inadequacy, weakness, insignificant, tough decisions, adversaries, afflictions, aging, persevering in faith, and death. These things can cause anxiety within us. But when they do, there's a promise in Scripture for every one of them. Nine Promises for Every Anxiety by John Piper. I highly recommend you take the time to, read, uh, to listen to that as well. We've got to build our familiarity with this love. We've got to build upon this relationship that we have with this loving Father. And by doing so, it will change us. The nearness of that 
loving God will bring you peace, will bring you hope now. And uh, I'm going to end by, uh, I, I love this, uh, I want to show you a little illustration here. And I, I know I've used it a bunch, a bunch of times as well. But there's, a, there's an artist, and I'll, I'll, try, I'll try actually put a link. I'll put a link to the YouTube video that I just mentioned, and I'll put a link to his work as well on Facebook and on the podcast when it, when it comes out. Um, but this artist's intention was to photograph cities in what they would look like if you could see all the stars. So if all the lights were turned off and you could actually see the stars above them. Uh, Peter, could you hit all the lights for us, please, so it's totally dark? It's not the best quality, um, but I want to show you. Wait, hold, there we go. So that's what San Francisco would look like if you turned off all the lights. And then that's what New York would look like. And so this is apparently real in the sense that he actually like used composite images of the stars and overlaid them over like the cityscape. So it's, it's accurate. And that's another one of what New York would look like. My point of showing you this is that the, you know, the stars are always there. Like, the, the problem is we just can't see them, right? Because there's too much light that gets in the way. But they, they never go away. I mean, they are, they are always in the sky. It's just that stuff gets in the way. The same is true of our lives. The love of God, it's a constant. It's always, always there. Yet so often we can get dominated by these bright things all around us, these things that, that you know, dark, well, I guess darken in a sense our vision, that help keep us from focusing on what's real. That's real, like that's reality. That's so much grander and bigger than this tiny little bubble that exists between, you know, the atmosphere beginning and where we can see. And yet in that little space, so much can fill it up that we can't see what's real behind it. Consider the fact that what Jesus Christ is pointing us to here is this permanent reality of the love of God, the, the, the presence of God in this world, that there is far more going on beyond what we can see, that he's, been call, he's calling us to focus our attention on the kingdom, to give our lives to what is real in this world, and to do so because and to not worry about these things. Why? Because God's love is always there, that this world is saturated by the presence of a good, loving, and competent God. And that is Jesus Christ's advice to an anxious heart. Let's pray together. God, we are, our words are frail and fragile. Our thoughts are fleeting. Lord, we need you to help them go deep. We need you to help them change us. As a Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do a work in our heart tonight. You would help us to move forward with a renewed sense of peace, confidence in your love, confidence in your existence, and your grip upon reality. Help us, Lord, to look out upon a world that is, without you, so uncertain and so hostile and makes us so vulnerable. And yet with you, we can feel at peace. We can feel okay in the midst of it all. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that no matter what will go wrong in life, you will always be there. And the worst they can do is kill us. <laughs> but even then, we just go to be with you, Lord. 
I thank you for that, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight who deeply want to know and experience this but feel so weighed down by fear and anxiety and doubt, who feel that life is just a, a minefield. I pray, Lord, that you, through the work of your Holy Spirit, might begin to crack and soften and speak to and that light might burst in. I admit, Lord, that it, it won't just take pretty words to do this. It will take the work of your Holy Spirit doing an amazing healing in our hearts to bring this truth home to us. So Lord, I pray that the sermon tonight would not simply be pretty words, but God, it would be life-transforming truth because your Holy Spirit is the one that brings us down deep into us. And we pray this all in response to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the CU20 podcast today. If you'd like to find out more about People's Church of Montreal or CU20, just look us up, People's Church of Montreal. There you'll find our website with other sermons, different resources. And if you're downtown in Montreal, you can find where we meet and at what time. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.